<clears throat> and I'm recording. Rising Moons, which is what they say at Galaxy's Edge, a place I've never been to. Uh, maybe we'll talk to somebody who has been there eventually. My guest today is Dominic Pace right here. You may know him as Gecko from The Mandalorian. How you doing? I'm doing great. Hello to all your listeners. Hope everyone's staying safe and uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, it's awesome. Good morning to you, Rising Moons, to you. Uh, you, so this is, you know, March uh, 18th now, <laughs> not the 7th, it's the 18th, and this past weekend you had an experience that uh, hopefully you'll have again very soon, but you were in Las Vegas uh, this weekend for a convention. So before we get started, you, so you are in The Mandalorian Season 1, Gecko, Lair of the Gecko is, is your big draw right now. Can you walk us through what it's like being in conventions? Before we start anything else, I just want to know. I just have to get this right into I just want to go right into it. What's it like yeah. being at a convention from the other side of the table? You know, it's actually, uh, it's, it's kind of humbling at times, but also extremely rewarding. Um, you know, I've been talking with my wife often in regards to um, just sort of being a comfort for people uh you know people that have been fans of the the series to almost to, it's weird because i i guess i don't value myself at, at the highest level and sometimes i'm a little bit taken back you know being a character actor for 25 years when somebody comes back an hour later to, to want to purchase one thing or the other uh it just it, it flatters me so much um at the same time it's extremely humbling because if you're not carl weathers or pedro pascal or gina carano sometimes people are passing over and it's not like you're selling shirts or jewelry you're selling yourself so people will be looking over you like a piece of meat like wait do i know this guy should i get his autograph ah no maybe not this time you know so it's kind of i'm having like a little bit of 50 50 experience to where uh it's been extremely gratifying to really touch the lives of children and star wars fans and at the same time again it goes back to just having tough skin as an actor to where again, people are looking at you and, and again it's not a product the, the product is yourself so it's kind of humbling in that regard and you say 25 years you've been the character actor? Oh, 25 years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we go back to 1997, a movie with uh, Miramax Films called That's the Way I Like It. And I uh, played a very uh, weird, cheesy version of John Travolta. It's like kind of a caricature of John Travolta in this sort of Saturday Night Fever uh, parallel uh, that I filmed in Singapore. So we, we go back quite a way. And, oh, boy, 87 credits later on IMDb, uh, you know, we, we've been... Uh, We've been around, that's for sure. 87 credits. But was acting the your goal from day one? Were you like out of the womb, like, I'm going to be an actor? You know, I'll tell you, from 12 years old to uh, 16, there was nothing on my mind but wanting to be a Major League Baseball pitcher. Um, you know, between feeling it in your elbow and sh your shoulder and only getting up to maybe, you know, straining to throw 80 miles an hour, uh, you have to come, you know, that sort of hits reality. But there was an adrenaline rush I had starring in my high school musical at 16 and for my first audition which believe it or not was a cattle call for sister act two and then there was another cattle call for believe it or not a very small film called the blair witch project uh, oh wow i think i would be discouraged after those two calls of about 400 to 500 people but it just got under my skin i was down in new york and just every weekend uh every week i wanted to just see what other roles might be available to, to get on television to get in film um, because it was just such an adrenaline rush, and it still is to this day. Oh, I could only imagine. So can you explain what those cattle calls were for anybody that's listening that doesn't uh, know what those were, hasn't heard that expression before, the terminology? 
Sure, absolutely. Sometimes they only pick five people uh, that they need. For Sister Act 2, they were going to pick a chorus, I think, of 10 or 20 actors. Uh, for Blair Witch, obviously, it was only three actors, which we know very well. They did an amazing job. Um, it, it Basically, uh, they're, they're going through everybody. A lot of times at the major league level, they won't do that. They will usually only call in 30 to 40 people max for one of the roles. So you your odds are better once you get that audition. However, it's still been difficult day in and day out until you become a, a household name to where then they start giving you offers. It's finally, after so many years, starting to get a little easier now where at least in the independent film world, I will be getting, I get offers straight up. Um, but I'll tell you, I mean, it's been quite a bit of time uh, that we've had to grind it out, beat out 30 guys for every one of those credits. And uh, it's, it's definitely not easy. You have to have a lot of patience and you have to love what you do. I, I equate it to people that are real estate agents because you get a tremendous amount of rejection. But I'll tell you, when you get that sale, it's probably one of the best feelings on earth for those sellers there. Oh, absolutely. I can only imagine. But the reason why I wanted to start with you in Vegas this past weekend, you making the convention rounds now is because you say you worked so hard for 25 years, but before that, there was all that time as well. So when you go into them and you do, you have this rejection, you deal with the rejection, what did you find yourself doing to, uh, you know, for for the next audition that you have, for the next call that you have to go in? What, what were you taking with you into that one? And maybe what were you forgetting as well? You know, today's a perfect day. It's actually uh, St. Patrick's Day, and a lot of it comes to upbringing. I grew up with the Irish, Italian, Jewish, Puerto Rican, African-American in New York, and I'll tell you, the one thing in the 1980s was the parents, man, you got nothing and you liked it. <laughs> so it really ultimately was uh, attributed to the parents, the coaches, and the teachers who told you straight up, look, you don't deserve anything in this world, so you have to work for it. So that's kind of been the base of it. If I was growing up entitled, spoiled, and sort of privileged in many ways to where, you know, I thought the world or Hollywood owed me something, or I thought, hey, you know, I'm going to make excuses as to why I didn't get this job or didn't get that, as opposed to put the attention on myself. There's actually a gentleman uh, just recently who, uh, you know, he's been getting mad about one thing or the other. And, you know, it, it's an awkward thing to tell somebody, have you ever looked in the mirror? <laughs> have you ever taken a second? I don't mean physically to look at you how, you know, if you're ugly or attractive, but look in the mirror in terms of what are you doing? in your relationship in order to make life better. And it's funny because he's pointing the finger left and right at everybody else, but most importantly, <laughs> it comes back down to him in terms of all the bad decisions that he's made in his life in, to get him to where he is. So ultimately what it is, it's about accountability and it's about the world not uh, giving you anything or expecting anything. And when that happens, a lot of good things happen throughout the course of your career. And again, you take the good, every good that comes out of uh, each day, is a positive it's a it's a privilege it's it's a it's an opportunity but you don't expect it you have to work for that and I, that's been the mentality in life even with the the convention circuit as well as the acting career as well was there ever a time when maybe i, I don't want to really get you to think about this but you hit maybe the lowest part of it all and was there a time in your career when you said maybe it's time to look into something else did that ever happen Oh, absolutely. And it's so funny. There's an IMDb Pro um, app to where they have a, so, a showing of a star meter. And it, it, it isn't necessarily accurate, but uh, you can actually see my star meter at its lowest between 2011 and 2013. And the reason is, is because um, we financially got to a point before all the independent contracting opportunities, Uber and uh, Instacart and different opportunities to where you can work each day and not have to set your schedule with a regular job to where I just had to go in financially. I was not going to put 
my family in debt. Uh, my wife, she was off for five years, and I, I can't tell you how grateful I was for that. Uh, well, actually, I'm sorry, not about five. It might be about three or four years to where she was um, raising the children. And we took some time off, uh, and, and, but ultimately, we didn't have that backup money, so I had to get back into restaurant management. But restaurant management, as you know, you can't have that flexibility. If ABC wants to see you at 4 p.m. on a Friday, I mean, you're prepping for a busy rush for that night at a busy Italian restaurant. So it was no fault to my uh, general managers or to, my, to the owners of the restaurant. I knew what was expected of me, but that, that was a heart-wrenching three years. I had a beautiful thing happen. I'm, a, I'm happy you asked that question. During those three years, on the third year, uh, I was serving, uh, I, well, I was you know, manager, but also I, I, I was a manager who would always help my waiters. I was never one who would sit back and just watch you uh, get slammed. So uh, there was a writer who was a friend of a friend who uh, was producing a show for ABC. And he casted me uh, um, previously in a show called Andy Barker P.I. for NBC. I guest starred on the show. It starred Andy Richter. And he was doing a new show, really popular show on ABC called Happy Endings. And he just had a couple lines. But he ended up uh, calling me and said, hey, Dom, it's not much, but I have a few lines for you. A month later, the casting director who casted me in Young and the Restless came in. She was now over at Day Days of Our Lives. She gave me three days. Then there was a short film from a gentleman who's actually a pretty popular horror director now. His name is Peter Dukes. He's uh, had some films sold. He had a film starring Skeet Ulrich. But he wanted me in his, to star in his short film, Daniels. And little by little, things started uh, working its way back. I had a general manager who was really lenient. He saw it in my eyes, how much I loved acting. He gave me a weekend off to go to Las Vegas to wow. film about five years ago. Uh, and the film was called Anonymous Killers. Well, I'm happy to tell you that while supposedly there was supposed to be the world premiere of a feature film that was close to $1 million titled Anonymous Killers, which I starred in, that was supposed to premiere on March 27th in London. And I was so happy to fly out there uh, in, a, in a week or two. Uh, because and, and to attribute and to really uh, to credit that general manager who gave me that time off. So little by little, I started coming back in. But really, what picked me up was when I started doing, believe it or not, the most humbling of jobs: Lyft and Uber, making the same amount of money that I was making in the restaurant. I called my wife and I said, "Listen, I said this is kind of you know it's a vulnerable feeling, but I'm making just as much and not having a heart attack driving, and where I can be flexible with my acting." also be there for my children. And I can't tell you the past five years, I have not, I've hit the ground running. I have never stopped. I have worked more than ever. But again, it's the same mentality of never, ever let, resting back on your laurels, never getting comfortable. And each week it's bringing something different. But for five years, for anyone listening, I've been able to hold my own because the world, our country, Canada as well, they, the opportunities will present itself. We've been so fortunate to live in these two amazing countries to where the opportunity presents itself if you work hard enough. I think that's really important to remember is when things get the, the lowest, when, when you feel like you've hit rock bottom, and I think a lot of us have been there, you wait it out, you work hard, you continue on your path, continue doing what you know you can do and you've been successful at in the past, eventually things will start to work your way. Like in your story, if you told somebody the last five years, they'll be like, oh yeah, well, no hard work at all went into that. It's just got to happen. You know, you just, you lucked out, whatever. But the reality is for everybody, you got to, you just got to keep persevering, keep working hard. And eventually the opportunities, like you said, these countries, North America is, is rife with opportunity and, and you just keep going on those paths and we'll get there eventually. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without question. But again, you know, we're all in a point right now. And thank God we had our grandparents that taught us from the depression 
to my grandfather joining the CCCs, to entering World War II, each and every person, every culture, every uh, both genders, uh, you know, honestly, really had to suck it up. And it's it's the same thing now to where all of a sudden we need to adhere that and we've got to be stronger than ever together as a human race. You know, ha they have all these individual virtual signaling days and I, 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 I tip my cap to everybody, but at the end of the day, it should be International Humans Day to where we're all together as one. There's no special treatment from any kind. There's no segregation. We're all one, all together. Beautiful, beautifully said. Wonderfully said. That was perfect right there. Eventually, you work your way. You keep working, keep working, keep working. And then you get this call. Like, we want you to be on this show. And it happens to be Star Wars. You're on Star Wars. I, what was it like being on a Lucasfilm set? I can't imagine it was the most open of sets. Um, in terms of open, you mean as far as uh, just uh, security-wise? Yeah. As far as, um, you know, uh, as far as the NDA? Uh, yeah, no, without question. I mean, you know, but the, the same thing is that we, everybody who got cast or everybody who got to participate in that production, they were all professionals. So oh, yeah. even with, you know, baby, the child uh, or what have you, I, you know, there's just a, such a level of respect that you have for John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and Deborah Chow. So even if they didn't have that NDA agreement, you wanted to respect them. Them. You wanted to honor them because you knew that they were making something special, not to mention the legend that is uh, George Lucas, along with Kathleen Kennedy. And just to have that once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, even the 501st, they were very secretive until obviously the last few months and such. Um, you know, it was just obviously such a privilege and, and out of respect to everybody who may not be able to have that opportunity. Uh, we were completely respectful to the, the, the whole secrecy of it all. Uh, but just taking it in like any fan would, almost like Galaxy's Edge, where your jaw is just dropping in terms of just uh, how exciting it is when uh, you know for Star Wars fans like ourselves. I want to get to Galaxy's Edge in a little bit, but I want to continue on on the Lucasfilm set, on the set of The Mandalorian. Obviously, Baby Yoda, the child, the asset, whatever anybody wants to call it right now, we won't know him for a little while. Obviously, that, inf that was not, you weren't totally aware of what was going on there, but but the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, he is cradling something in those scenes that you are with him in. First of all, can you, before we get into that, actually, can you explain the episodes of the Mandalorian that you are in, just for people listening, so we can ha set the stage a little bit better for them? Absolutely. Well, aside from being a Bounty Hunter member, you know, I mean, a member of the uh, the Bounty Hunter Guild, uh, I mean, if you were to equate it to, say, Walrus Man or Hammerhead or uh, the Red Snaggletooth or the Blue Snaggletooth or Yak Face or Reyes, uh, lingering throughout the cantina in episode one. You can also see throughout the previews of episode four and five where Carl Weathers, Greek Cargus says they are jealous of you. They've got this great pan shot where you see me lingering. So it was almost just going to be that. However, when we get to episode three, thanks to Deborah Chow and thank you to Brian Seitz, who did such an amazing makeup job to make this character look very action figure worthy. Hint, hint, <laughs> And the Black Series, I mean, come on. It's a six-foot-four bounty hunter. I mean, you know, it's, it's a one-of-a-kind. Um, she allowed me. They had to make a cut, and they cut half the people in the cantina. And when we had that scene on Navarro where we had the standoff with the child in the third episode, there was a lot more extensive um, uh, cuts to that scene. And I wish they would have made it because, oh, my God, there was one scene where I'm going back and forth with Mando exchanging fire. Uh, but at the same time, I'm pretty content that we were able to get in there, get established at least, and obviously been quite a fan favorite, at least uh, from what I've experienced over the last four months. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's uh, th those were the two, episode one and episode three. And the fingers crossed not to go outside of the universe. Uh, there's a Marvel comic book that just released last week called Star Wars Bounty Hunters. And uh, 
there's a strong possibility you're going to see a little bit backstory of Gecko in the ninth and tenth issue of that uh, that series there a little in a few more months there. Oh well, maybe we'll have to have you back on to talk about that for you because that's got to be that's got to be super exciting. When I talked to you last, I was talking yeah. about you possibly appearing in a, a Gecko appearing in, in a novel in a book, and I and that like yeah action figure like you said and the books like the movies and the tv shows now is like that's the creme de la creme but then you put yourself in the expanded universe and all of a sudden you know like your t-shirt right there boba fett right that's how boba fett became became massive it was like it's it's the imagination of the viewers that let these characters run wild absolutely they wouldn't kill them all you know i mean they wouldn't have killed them off in return of the jedi had they known um, and like I said, hopefully with Gecko, we did not see him die. So hopefully a lot more good things to come. You know, you just never know with Disney. Also, the pattern of this show is not less about specific side characters. It's more about an overall journey. So at the end of the day, even if this is all it is, I think it's just so beautiful uh, how uh, season one transpired to where you have the Mando kind of going on this beautiful journey, especially with this LED screen, where they're able to transport him to so many different places. So God willing, we get back in, but also at the same time, I just think we're, you know, Favreau and Filoni are just heading in, in in a perfect direction there. What was the set like that you were on? Was it that the the one that we've all been seeing the images of, where it's just kind of like the virtual the screens and all of that? So I saw the LED screen during my camera test. Believe it or not, they even used it for Werner Herzog's wow. backdrop to his lab at his office. Um, you, if you look closely, those windows look so three dimensional. That's what. It's so amazing. Fabro, I've been seeing in a few interviews, he's like, this is really going to change the game. Yeah. Uh, and he's 110% right. Um, this was actually uh, a little village, a little uh, street with black dirt. And the huts were real. Um, the pillars were real. And then just a ship in the back, the uh, Razor Crest, is that what they call it? Um, that was, uh, that was a, a green screen. So it was kind of a dark lighting. Uh, it was, you know, very, very dark, which kind of confused me because with the cantina, I was like, oh, well, maybe are we on Tatooine? Uh, mm -hmm. But with the black dirt, it really doesn't make any sense. Um, so we, obviously we knew that it was a different planet. But uh, I was fortunate enough, it, even though it would have been cool to play with the LED screen, um, to actually have had pretty much more or less a real set on a stage uh, that were, they pretty much established almost every little hut there. And you could see him going around the corners when he's going to uh, Herzog's lair. And then also um, when he comes outside the cantina or comes out and realizes he's surrounded by the bounty hunter guild there. Yeah, that's how does it feel being in what many people consider the best of the, the, the best episode, the fan favorite episode of the first season? It was amazing. Uh, Tate Fletcher, who plays the big gunner, you know, I was side by side with him. And I, you know, it's so funny because I, automatically I, and I'm 100 percent right. I was like, this is going to be one killer figure. And that's what everybody's been getting. Uh, Tate is an amazing man. He's familiar with UFC and CrossFit. So, I mean, really, he fits the bill. I know. I think John Favreau did his yeah. voice for that role. Um, so it was just amazing to be alongside him. We worked together on an old film, uh, old TV show called um, John Claude Van Johnson from a few years ago. Oh, yeah, ago. yeah. We both, we both did stunts together on that. Um, I was I was excited, but I was also very anxious because when it, the story is not about you, and especially how special this was going to be to me, as far as as a, a Star Wars fan, I was just anxious in terms of when you have an action scene, how they were going to cut it. Because my eyes were just lighting up when I would feel the camera on me after doing this for so long. Yeah. You knew when the camera was going to be on you, when it wasn't. So I was just very, very hopeful that the editor was going to include me in. And I said, God, I said, with the amount of makeup they did on me for two hours, they've <laughs> got to get me in this. So I was just so happy I made the cut. 
in a perfect world, I will. I, I cannot wait, and I'm hopeful that they do an extended version of every episode uh, because I'd love to see that fight play out a little bit more where I maybe there's some more screenshots of me. But ultimately, uh, I, I was I was just pleased, and like I said, hopefully, hopefully it's enough to be on that little third or fourth tier of action figures. Uh, uh, I, I hear some rumors in September, October that they're going to maybe release one last wave, and if if that's not the case, I've got so many fans that have been making custom-made figures. There's a new company now called Build-A-Brick, uh, where they're making kind of this mini Lego, but it's adorable. It's like in this little plastic case where they have the, the small three-inch card back of my character, and I'm going to be bringing that around to conventions once we get up and running pretty soon as well. I met that guy in Las Vegas, and uh, he was so excited to get started on Gecko there. Oh, that's super cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that... Who doesn't want an actual figure? <laughs> who doesn't want anything? Like, just phenomenal. I hope you're in the comic book. Out of all of this, you, you've done the, you've been to, how many conventions have you done now? Do you know? Um, I want to say five so far. Yeah, that's a good number. And, and your hope is, the hope is Star Wars Celebration in August. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Todd Allen Smith. He's an LFL approved uh, illustrator, and he did an illustration of, uh, of Gecko. And I've got some very good news with that. Uh, LFL, they, they're, they're fans, and uh, they said, well, obviously, you know, with Harrison Ford, if they're paying him X amount of dollars and Mark Hamill X amount of dollars, they really want the money to funnel there. But at the same time, for an opportunity to be able to plug Gecko, to brand him with the fan base, they said, you can come. We want you to sign the poster at no charge. So good news for everyone. If we celebration goes through, you've got a free autograph and photo op from me. I may throw in an extra coin, might say, you know, put down, you know, donations appreciated. Yeah. But other than that, uh, you know, a special Star Wars uh, bounty hunter coin, uh, specifically for Celebration 2020. Uh, but other than that, uh, I'll be signing that poster for free. And uh, I hope everyone will come visit me. The Mandalorian Mercs will be sponsoring me. The Mandalorian Mercs are amazing charitable yes. organizations in the Star Wars community. And uh, I'm so grateful to be alongside them. Uh, and the, the whole entire charitable, uh, all these groups, uh, the 501st, Mandalorian mercs the rebel legion all the good that they do in their community all of them so many have been reaching out i've been sending them autographs uh for their local raffles and causes uh there was just a tennessee relief uh fund and i, I contributed there and now up in oregon i was just involved with as well so uh, it's just been such a joy to be this tiny sliver this small ambassador to the to the universe and uh i, I i'm so grateful and i hope that continues for many years to come that's unbelievable i will be looking for you at star wars celebration because my hope is it is still going to be happening uh, yes. End of August, Emerald City Comic Con just postponed from now until the weekend before celebration. So I, I don't know if they're talking to anybody, if that's good news or not. But, you know, you'd hope that this all kind of, you know, this isolation helps uh, kill this uh, virus that's going around. Uh, I'll let you go soon, but I can't let you go until you tell me about this little place called Galaxy's Edge. Oh. <laughs> You know, it's so funny what got me, what really triggered me, which was so, and, and triggered when I say that word, I mean just in a, in a positive way. Um, I, we all had the Falcon when we were kids, we were growing up, but we all had our favorite ship, you know? And to see the life size, I mean, going to the A-wing, to even an X-wing, but most importantly, that Falcon, I, I can't tell you how many times, I, as a matter of fact, I have it in my closet right now, uh, how many times I picked up that lid, you know? The yeah. lid from the top of the, uh, of the ship. And as you're going and walking to Smuggler's Run, you see the top of the ship, and I'm just, I just can't believe it because of the, uh, how something for 40 years is embedded in your mind. 
and so many times where you you know you used your imagination as a child to see that in real life is just really beyond words there so uh anyhow uh, it, it was just beyond of words in terms of both rides i can't say which one was better than the other the only thing that i hope is that with the second one um rise of the resistance i would love nothing more i mean i know it'd be a, a ton of legal uh, you know drama and everything else i would just love to see that journey with the original trilogy that's the only oh. thing i would die to have it take us through this journey of tatooine to the death star to you know going around one other corner and watching obi-wan and vader fight off and just kind of maybe taking the shoes of luke um, that would, and then obviously then going down Beggar's Canyon, I know they can do it now with all the technology that they have. That was the one thing that I was just praying in terms of if they expand or maybe have their own Star Wars, uh, um, uh, theme park in itself one day, but I'll tell you the future is here and both experiences and even just our little souvenir of getting those sodas. They have it uh, yeah. shaped as a thermal de detonator, either the Coke, the Sprite or the Diet Coke. Absolutely amazing experience with my family. And uh, we're excited to come back uh, uh, sometime soon once everything gets settled. Yeah, I cannot wait to... I, every time I see it, I saw your pictures on Facebook. I was just like, oh, this looks incredible. Every time I see it, I'm, my sister went there and she couldn't stop messaging me while she was there. I was like, just enjoy it. She goes, oh my God, look, I'm in the Falcon. And I was like, you're now, yes. I'm like, now I've disowned you. You're no longer my sister. <laughs> it, uh, it is a great time. And we won't take up much more of your day. I'll tell you, oh, yeah. I, 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 no, I was such a good father because I let my kids do the, uh, you know, in the front, you could pilot it. And yeah. So you can jump to light speed. So I, I let my sons do that, even though, like, I was itching in the back as one of the gunners. My wife and I were gunners. But I'm like, oh, my God, I want to <laughs> My son's Ben, and I'm like, Ben, get out of the seat. I want to <laughs> go to speed. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah, I want to grab a, a group of four, and I'll be in charge of where we all go. I'll be like, no, I am picking our positions. I, I'm always the pilot. I'm always Han. <laughs> They literally let you thrust it, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's got to be the greatest feeling ever. Oh, I could only be – oh, man, soon enough, soon enough. When this all clears up, <laughs> it will be packed for a little while, but it will be well worth our wait. I don't want to take too much more of your time, um, even though we're all isolated in our homes just waiting this out. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I just <laughs> – before we leave, any any words, uh, uplifting, positive statements you want to give to anybody who's – you know, it, they are at home right now, maybe looking for something to do, not sure of what to do, maybe concerned about – uh, their financial situation, just some some motivation for them to hear at the end of this uh, talk. Absolutely. Well, you know, the one thing that I noticed was just the time that I have with my sons. We're sitting here as Americans a lot of times, you know, and even in Canada, we tend to just keep running around and running around like crazy. And obviously we understand that it's a tough financial time. I know that the president's trying to implement some things to be able to hold us over with everything from mortgage to rents, et cetera. Um, but really to honestly... I know it's just, you know, it's such a cliche when life hands you lemons, but to really take a moment and understand how special it is to actually have a second to breathe with our family, to have a moment to just sit down. I remember I had surgery one time, uh, just a minor surgery, but I was in bed and the, it was the simplest thing of just watching the Food Network and learning how to cook a few dishes, you know, but there was something so peaceful about the phone not ringing, about just having a second to regress and also the strength of humanity. If, if I can offer any words, but just this is the time, our gut check as human beings, to see if we can, the goal that we can make to stay focused is to maybe see if we can do one positive thing to touch another life. I can't tell you the one great thing with the conventions that has really inspired me the most was to make someone else happy. In turn, that makes you happy. To love someone else more than to love yourself is actually the best feeling on earth. Um, we actually have a B-Wing Lego that we're gonna be setting up together. 
and that will be the final installment of our Lego Galaxy. I'm happy to show everybody. Also, personally, feel free to email me on Facebook or Instagram. If you need, a, if there's a kid where they want to have Gecko the Bounty Hunter, just say hi. There's no charge whatsoever. Uh, I can show them, happy to show them my collection uh, during this time. So feel free to put that out to your listeners. I'm happy to uh, send a quick video and, and uh, just give them my words of uh, support and uh, confidence that we're definitely going to get through this over the next couple of weeks there. Awesome. I definitely will. And we will get through this. This is great. This has been Rising Moons. I want to thank you, Dominic, for joining me here. Uh, thank you very much. This has been great. Great chat. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. And everybody else, may the force of others be with you. Hey, scumbags. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up on our video. As always, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Rebel Scum Podcast, for all the latest videos.